to the very first ever annual Fear of God Foggy Awards. We are your favorite podcast at the intersection of faith and fear, coming to you every week, examining what scares us in order to find what saves us. And I am one of your co-hosts, Reed Lackey. Now, typically with me is my decades-long best friend, Nathan Rouse, but unfortunately, due to scheduling constraints, he was unable to join us today. And no, This is not one of our usual bits. He truly can't join us, and it is really quite sad. Uh, But what is not sad is that instead we have a veritable cornucopia of fear of God red carpet participants to help us give out these illustrious recognitions for the best achievements in horror for the year 2021. So we're going to dive right in, and I'm going to introduce you to all of my friends that we have here today in the fog. Up first is the one, the only, foreign correspondent and one-third of the newly inducted Quarterly Queens discussions on the show. It's Vera Gowdy. Vera, how are you? Hi, everyone. I'm good. Happy to be here. So excited. (laughs) Yes, very much. Very much. Joining us as well as another third of that motley entourage of the feminine fantastique, the Quarterly Queens, and our very own horror enneagrammarian, Asia Schwarzentruber. Asia, how are you doing? I am so good. Hello, Reed and everyone. Hi. Hello. (laughs) It's been so long, Asia. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) We are also joined by our illustrious continuity guru. And by the way, I owe you an apology for making your job much more difficult of late by removing episode (laughs) numbers. So sorry about that. And he's also the mastermind behind our weekly social media throwback Thursdays. It's none other than Steve Beckley. Steve, it's great to see you, sir. How are you? Hello, everyone. Great to be here. Yeah. Hello. Hi. Hello. Also with us today is a voice you hear every single week in our That Ain't Right and That's So Right jingles. He made his conversational debut with us on last year's A Hidden Life. Welcome back to the show, the one, the only Andrew Nelson. Andrew, how are you, man? I'm good. Just glad to be here. <laughs> this is exciting. <laughs> yeah. Next up, we have, yes, there's more, but wait, there's more. Next up, we have our thoughtful and insightful legal counsel. He was dubbed as such because he often makes very thorough and compelling arguments for his thoughts and films and uh, media, and the author of our regular series of website essays entitled Holding Court. Dave, Courtney, we are glad to have you. How are you doing, man? I'm all right. Thank you. Good, good, good. <laughs> We also have a longtime friend of the show, but who only recently made his debut in the fog when he joined our discussion with Van Ryder Games about the board game Final Girl, its fellow gaming enthusiast and all around great guy, Matt Murray. Matt, welcome, sir. How are you? Hey, doing well. Thank you. So happy to be here. Good, good, good. And last but certainly not least, making his inaugural conversation on the show with us is a man who's a very active weekly participant in the Facebook discussion groups and a longtime listener responsible for sending the fog on such wonderful journeys as The Witcher Season 1 and War for the Planet of the Apes. 
Welcome to his very first time on the show, none other than Jacob Sane. Jacob, we're happy to have you, man. Hey, guys. Good to see you. Excited to see how these awards play out. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. It's very exciting. So now as a final bit of introductory business, I just want to remind any of you who are listening that here at the fear of God, we explore, we don't explain except for right now when I explain that you can find every fog and fear of God thing imaginable at the fear of God podcast.com where you'll find team bios, episode archives, merchandise, essays, and especially how to support us on Patreon, which will give you access to extended episodes, bonus episodes, and even occasionally invitations to online style fun events like the foggy awards and speaking of the foggy awards everybody it's time it's time for the foggy awards i can i cannot believe this <laughs> i have to uh give one bit of love uh to to steve beckley because steve i think i shared this with you on facebook group but like you really we have you to blame for really all of this oh, um, because you, you dropped something in the facebook group where you were mm -hmm. pointing out that the oscars uh, really don't ever recognize horror. They have done so, so rarely throughout the history of Oscars, which is absolutely true. And so you were like, yeah, so what are some of your favorites? And when I saw your post, I think it was probably within like a half hour, I was on the phone with Nathan. And I was like, oh man, we got to do something about this. Something has to happen. So thank you for, for all of this. Good job, Steve. You're welcome. Yeah. yeah. Nathan, Nathan just said, I'm going to go on vacation. <laughs> Nathan's like, that's what He's I'm like, doing. Yeah, yeah, this is great. When is it? Okay. <laughs> yeah, some exactly years you do, you do see some some light horror or thrillers or or drama that has some horror elements in the Oscar nominees, but mm -hmm. especially this year, it, it really didn't have much. Maybe uh, mm -hmm. Nightmare Alley, but I haven't seen yet that yet, so I'm not sure. I yeah. just watched Nightmare. it. Yeah, I think it's yeah. on Disney Plus. More mystery. I mystery. did like it. Yeah, what more you say, mystery Andrew? than horror. It feels, it feels more mystery than horror, like noir mystery, kind of Chinatownish than than mm -hmm. horror, really. Yeah, kinda. it just has nightmare yeah. in the name. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, maybe sometimes when there's a horror movie that has a lot of social commentary in it, like Get Out, it yeah. might be something yeah. more likely to get yeah. a nomination. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then we, of course, had uh, uh, Silence of the Lambs. Exactly. <laughs> Silence <laughs> of the Lambs is probably the biggest one. Yeah. yeah. yeah go ahead, it's Vera. kind of a, like as much as I am rooting for Coda, um, it's like a pretty polite year for the Oscars, I feel. I don't feel like there's a lot of heavy-hitting movies, except in the animated category, which I, like, love all of them. But I know. Well, that's the way I feel about it. The animated category, like, we will get to the Foggies, but the animated category this year, like, is stacked. I don't know which yeah. of those films I want to win. Mitchell's versus Machines. Mm. I even really like Ryan the Last Dragon. I love Encanto. Flea is a great movie. Like, I, I really don't know which of those that I want it to win. But then uh, in the rest of it, I think I'm feeling kind of the same. Like I've liked some films, but I'm, I'm a bit shruggish about the yeah. options this year. Although not because I'm just speaking to you, but like I loved Coda. I did love, I genuinely just overwhelmed with emotion for Coda. So I think most of my actual Oscar. It's just the little movie are, that could. I'm so happy for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's very, it's very delightful. Horror, they seem kind of weirdly related. And when we're talking about Oscars because mm -hmm. they both don't get as much uh, recognition, even though they both produce some really great work. And so with the Oscars, you have the animated movies that have to have its own special category. And of course, we still haven't seen anything like that for horror. Now, they were going right. to do the, they were going to do the category that was like, do you remember this? This was like a year or two ago. And I don't, I don't think they went through with it, but they were going to do like a most 
entertaining movie. It, was, it, was, it wasn't a, it was a really stupid category. Do you know what I'm talking like about? Anybody fan favorite yeah. or something? Yeah. Fan it was favorite. really weird. Yeah. That was just like, yeah. like you mean what the Oscars should be. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah. But it was like this one, it was a weird category that like they were going to do, but it got so much pushback. They just didn't do it. It was an interesting kind of yeah. thing, but does anybody know how many offhand uh, horror movies have won Oscars? Is it, is that a knowable number offhand? <laughs> So t- uh, it is a knowable number, but I don't have it off. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. But we do not novel. know it. Okay. <laughs> no, but we do it's not. It's just know in. It. No. Okay. Uh, I mean, and and so the other thing is that like outright horror, very very few. Yeah. But but films that would be considered like more thrillers, like I know, mm. uh, we, you know, Steve mentioned Silence of the Lambs, you know, mm. which that's I definitely consider that horror. Um, Silence of the Lambs won like the big five, you know. Oh, look, Vera, Vera with the uh, with the 18. assist said 18. And when you consider that Oscars have been going on for nearly 100 years, that's crazy that only 18, 18 for awards. best picture. No, just in total have won uh, awards at oh, the Oscars. Wow. They've only so made 18 good horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do? Well, that could like, be even for the technical, like best makeup like, effects. Yeah. Or... Sleepy Hollow won an Oscar for best art direction in 1999. So in any wow. category, 18 movies, wow. which you would Thanks. think how much you'd think that with how evocative horror films are apt, like have to be, you would think mm-hmm. that it would be, have more Oscars, even in those, I don't want to say side categories, because they're all equally as important to making an excellent film. But it's a it's a genre that just requires everything to work in order for it to work. (laughs) So you'd think think there'd be more. I think the cars probably got a lot of nominations, but not as Mm. many wins. Mm -hmm. I think even like uh was the Guillermo del Toro movie uh Oh, oh no! The other one where there, oh. uh, that was after that, or Pan's Labyrinth, that. Shape of Water, uh, the one, the one <laughs> with Jessica. No, Chester. the other one, Crimson Peak. Crimson Peak. Oh, didn't, Crimson Peak. Didn't that get like best costumes, perhaps, or 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 set yeah. design? Yeah, yeah. I think it did but, get nominated for a couple of things, but yeah, yeah. no, no specific love. Or I anything. do wonder with the rise of elevated horror, if you want to call it that. I do wonder if they're gonna be more uh accessible because it's kind of it feels like it's kind of hitting that film you know the film critic kind of elevated uh thing now is where it's not seen as just like cheap horror you know yeah yeah well and i've i I remember there was a lot of legit i mean there's outrage about everything these days it feels like but i remember there was a lot of like genuine sort of cultural outrage that Mm -hmm. tony collette didn't get authentic oscar love for hereditary she's she's delivering one of the best performances of the year and it's not being recognized by the academy because it's in a basement genre so to speak so Mm -hmm. so but you know there it's it's long-standing that uh horror is not considered prestige except on the fear of God, where we consider horror prestige every single week. So hey. <laughs> with that yeah. uh, deft segue, um, so I got a couple of questions. So we, we're going to be handing out seven nominations or seven awards today. Uh, there's, there's an eighth sort of special surprise one, but we're going to be handing out seven awards for best picture, best director, best lead performance, best supporting performance, best writing, best production design, and best scare. 
So uh, we will go over the nominees when we get to those respective categories. Um, but as a kind of a hodgepodge, uh, I'm going to do a little bit of a round robin. I'll call on a couple of people. Uh, but as we're conversing, feel free to jump in if you have things to say. Um, so I just kind of want to know in general uh, if there's anything that people are specifically pulling for in these categories. These are some really good films, I think, in the world of horror. They're definitely among some of the top films of 2021. Um, so I'm actually going to go, Dave, to you first. And uh, are you pulling for anything specifically or hoping that any particular thing is going to do well in a category? Well, I'm uh, actually a big fan of Candyman remake. So mm. I would have no qualms with seeing that one um, win for big picture, best picture. And uh, oh, in the writing category, I would really pull for the Nighthouse. I'm I'm a big fan of that one. Um, yeah, especially the writing component. So um, those would be the two that I would um, probably elevate out of the entire group. Um, Gotcha. Uh, gotcha. And I would throw into last night in Soho for director is uh, because it is one of my best or my favorite films of the year. So very cool. Very cool. Uh, Andrew, what are you thinking? What are you, who are you pulling for? What are you hoping will do well? Yeah. Uh, I just, I just circled them actually. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I printed out my, I printed out my lists. Uh, so mm -hmm. I, I really like, uh, I like Candyman, uh, the remake. I'll get, so a quick overview Candyman, Malignant, A Quiet Place 2 uh, Censor that movie was really like ugh. I, I, but it was great mm -hmm. like it was very mm -hmm. that was the most disturbing like aesthetic to it I think just it was like so mm. we weird and like I don't, ugh. but it was great but I don't know that, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's the weird thing about it I was like I don't know um, uh, and then The Green Knight I'm hoping that wins some stuff too um, oh nice awesome. and then but i would say uh i'm curious about uh and i i just because we're here about last night in soho i didn't like mm. it i didn't like oh, it. oh you didn't boo, boo andrew boo. <laughs> gonna, i'm sorry you just get a samara yeah. and censor <laughs> me okay there you go um no but i um my thought was the the production of that and the end felt cheap is that a fair wow. assessment? No, it's not. Oh, I'm sorry. No. Have to feel your you feelings. mean? Do you mean like the CGI with the dudes yes. coming? coming up? I yeah, I didn't like that. That just took me out of it. I will grant you. I I do think that that is a fair criticism, but I think and, that's like one out of like everything I, else that was really cool. I listened. It was. I listened to a to an interview with Edgar Wright where they were talking about. He was talking about. It was they were in the midst of color grading the film. Uh, mm after they shot it and he was talking about shooting like a lot of the film was shot during the pandemic so they have like these empty streets to work with so that a lot of the ending scenes where it's like just empty streets that's why they did that so very interesting a lot of it i liked and the cgi took me out of it so uh we'll see what happens wow. with that uh back to you reed we'll <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's I'm up here at the red carpet. We'll see what happens. <laughs> We're, it's up for three. I'm sorry, today. everyone. No, 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 no. That's that's what this is. Um, so I'm uh, actually, interestingly enough, uh, sort of sort of piggybacking off that. Um, I, I'm and feel free to answer any of the, or address any of these things as we go through it. But uh, Vera, I'm going to come to you next. Was there anything that you thought was glaringly missed in this list? Anything that you saw or liked that you were like, man, it really X or Y deserved 
uh, a nomination for something, but it but it didn't get one. Is that does anything like that come to mind? I wish that Squid Game got a few more categories. Um, it just got mm. the one category. Um, I yeah. really enjoyed Squid Game, and um, but other than that, and maybe maybe some more nominations for Werewolves Within because it wasn't something I watched until um, Fear of God covered it. But I really liked that movie a lot. I found I it so enjoyable. So I wish that had um, pulled in a few more categories as well. But other than that, I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty happy with yeah. the list. I think That's it's great. Cool. Um, cool. I, I, I'm like Andrew and AJ yeah. are going to fight. And I feel like me and Dave are going to fight because I hope that um, <laughs> Nighthouse wins nothing. Oh! <laughs> Tension on the red carpet. <laughs> Can get behind I think that. I'm pretty sure Reed will be on your side with that one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I am definitely. I was, I was, I, I, I was graciously receiving your love for Nighthouse because I never deny. I, ne- I try to never deny anybody their joy, but I did not respond to Nighthouse <laughs> <laughs> very, very effectively. <laughs> but um Steve uh coming to you yes. any particular snubs any particular like oh man we th- there were some missed opportunities here um snubs for overall uh, in the nominations um anything yeah 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 I mean there are a lot of movies I still haven't seen but of what I have seen um I don't know how many people know the movie Slacks oh Slacks. I love that movie <laughs> Yes, yeah. I love that movie. So I, I think I uh, put that forth for consideration uh, for for a category or two, uh, maybe production you design or something. Yeah, what's that? <laughs> you, were were the the one. One. <laughs> you were the one. You were the one person. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, if you haven't that's, seen uh, Slacks, Slacks is fun. Slacks yeah, is very it's fun. Got a, a killer S-L-A-X-X? pair of jeans or S L A X X. Yeah. Okay. Uh, a, a new line of, of designer jeans, and and they were cursed because of the uh, the way they were produced. And, and Wait, that's real. Overseas. Wait, yeah, this is <laughs> an actual <laughs> movie. Yeah, and there's yeah, a store that's ready to release these new jeans on the next day, and they have these workers working overnight, and and through the night, the the jeans start killing people. <laughs> yes. This is like in the same vein as like rubber or one of yeah, those yeah. movies. Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah. But it's actually remarkably clever. Comes alive and kills people. Um, so funny. and it was got it's like a horror comedy, really. That's that's the tone of it. It's heart. No, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely agree. And it, and it actually has it has a couple of inches of heart. It really does. I was surprised, <laughs> yeah, but, I but but it does it does. <laughs> and, I, um, and I remember okay. a par- par- Paranormal Activity next of kin was pretty okay. scary. Mm. Yeah, I still I love it. I loved it. I need to make it. To. What is that? Like the seventh one in the franchise, maybe? But I, it, I yeah. loved it. Maybe fifteenth by this that was point. The <laughs> it seems like it doesn't have any connection to the other ones. Sort of. It doesn't. A whole new take on it. There's what did you ask, twist- Matt? Oh. So that was the Amish one. Is that right? Yeah, supposedly. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that wow. was great. Interesting. Interesting. Hey, Matt. Since I'm since I'm talking to you, uh, did any of the nominations prompt you to? seek out any material that you otherwise wouldn't have seen like were there anything like oh i'm gonna go watch this movie now uh well opposite effect so after hearing your episode on saint mod i decided i'm never seeing that movie so, uh, <laughs> fair yeah, fair. So, <laughs> so great job on that and then uh and then just seeing the the trailer for uh titan i'm also uh not watching that one so uh <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah i think you had the opposite effect but uh yeah <laughs> what's interesting what's you know interesting what yeah don't need to know anymore what's interesting is that like i had never seen titan before these nominations came out 
but a whole bunch of people mentioned. I mean, Tatane got more nominations than anything else, uh, like as a singular film. It got it's up for picture, director, writing, uh, lead performance, and supporting performance. And um, I, I had never seen it before. When I went to see it, uh, I will say that I uh, enjoyed Saint Maud more than I enjoyed <laughs> Titan. Titan is a very, wow. very challenging movie. And when I say challenging, I mean like difficult to watch, difficult to to like. It'll stay with you. I understand why it received the nominations it did because, in terms of just creative craft, all of these things absolutely deserve it. It is a very, very well-constructed movie that I don't know if I will ever watch again. <laughs> like I don't think I've even really seen the trailer of that, but just know it's the same uh, director as Raw. Yes. So yeah. th if that tells you anything, so for those of you who <laughs> saw the film Raw, uh, that is the flavor that you might be, be in for. But even more like, so... Uh, there. <laughs> it's, like the, it's, like the, it's like the footprints uh, the footprints poem where they're like, well, that's where Jesus carried me. It's like, this 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 part period on my calendar where I didn't sleep. That's where Titan <laughs> kept me up. That's, that's Titan. What happened exactly. here? <laughs> <laughs> um, Jacob, I'm going to come to you for the same question. Uh, the the did, w did any of these nominations prompt you to say, "Oh, I've never heard of that," or "I haven't seen that"? I'm going to check that out. Anything in particular? Yeah, the nomination and the episode for Werewolves Within. Uh, mm -hmm. I got around to watching that. So funny. So well written. I really enjoyed that. And also the deep house, which the whole time I'm watching that, I'm just thinking, how did they shoot that? That looks so difficult. Right. To film. Yeah. <laughs> uh, definitely. Was, very they found the footage. Different ways. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, the production, but like, when I was watching the deep house, you hit on exactly my question. I was like, how in the world did they do like, so we want to take the whole set and we just want to submerge it. We're just going to have the whole thing under it because it's one thing to have an underwater film, like 48 meters down or something where it's like, okay, your set is a cage. We just need to have the cage and then we can position around it. But they built this elaborate set under the water. I mean, like it's impressive just to know that they did that. Like, however you feel right. about the movie, just knowing they did that thing. Is yeah, just, is, I almost wish they didn't have actors. I wish it was just the, the divers that like stood in mm. for the actors and like almost no dialogue and just them, just them Ooh, there. Because it was phenomenal. Yeah. And a little bit yeah, more really, about really. the Deep House. Uh, watching it, I thought like, you know, I thought they would go down and look at the house and then come back up and then something would lead them back down there. So as mm -hmm. I'm watching it the first time around, I'm like, oh, this is the whole movie is their first yeah. uh, submersion down there. It is just yeah. really fascinating. Yeah, yeah. It, it really, really was. Um, so, Asia, I'm going to come to you. Uh, are there any of the particular nominations that you would specifically urge other people to see? Be like, hey, if you if you have not seen this, please give this your time. Anything on the on the list uh, in any category really stand out to you? I think probably one that that I that I would urge people to see um, for craft. I mean, obviously last night in Soho is something that I'm very fond of. Um, St. Maud, I think is a film that I want to watch other people watch. <laughs> and it is such a provocative film that to me, that that is the encompassing 
aesthetic vibe, stay up, not able to sleep. That movie sort of encompassed everything about an excellent horror film, like truly gripping horror sure. film. So I think I think St. Maude is the one out of all of these, even though there may be certain elements that I think what other films might have done a little bit better on or but I think St. Maud just has this consistency about it that is absolutely worth anybody's time. And it's worth the hours of sleep you're going to lose. And it will, you know, be worth the cleanup after you join the poop club. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, so true, true. So true. I'm actually going to chime in. I'm going to chime in a little bit on that category, too. I want to give love to two nominations that I think are would otherwise be overlooked because they were only nominated for one thing each. Um, I'm going to show some love to Shadow in the Cloud, starring mm-hmm. Chloe, Grace, Chloe Grace Moretz, and also Superhost, starring, uh, well, uh, co-starring, because she was nominated for supporting Gracie Gillum. Um, those are two films that I had a tremendous amount of fun with. Um, they were full of kind of surprises, particularly Shadow in the Cloud. I would urge you to, to know as little as possible going into Shadow of the Cloud and just enjoy it. It's very propulsive. It's got this techno kind of retro vibe to it uh, that's really energetic and very fun. And of course, Chloe Grace Moretz does a, an outstanding job in the lead. And then Superhost is a film that I think it, it, it's not necessarily strong enough as an overall film to stay part of the conversation, which I think is a shame because Gracie Gillum and especially, you know, she's nominated for supporting does some outstanding work as the, the titular super host uh, of the, of the film. Uh, she is really, she gives a boisterous and very unpredictable performance that is just a whole lot of fun to watch. So I wanted to show a little bit of love. If you're interested in checking out something that's a bit more offbeat, uh, but that you're going to have a lot of fun with shadow in the cloud and Superhost uh, wanted to give them some love because they, I don't know if they will elsewhere, maybe they'll win in their categories. I don't know, but they've got some heavy competition in those categories. So I'm not quite sure. Um, so with that in mind, uh, do you guys want to get into it? Do you want to get into yes. the, the awards? Yes. All right. Okay. All right. Here we go. Okay. I am going, and I don't think any of you know who's going to be reading out uh, which of the which. So, um, so I am going to get, we're going to, first of all, uh, give the award for best scare. So what I'm going to ask is I'm going to turn it over to our foreign correspondent, Vera Gowdy. And if you would do us the honors of reading the nominees and we'll discuss it for a few minutes before you get, oh, she's come ballot ready. Go ahead, Vera. <laughs> but you guys don't have a um, a wax seal maker at home, no, just me. <laughs> um, best scare nominees: number one, in no particular order, obviously, because we don't know who won yet. The Deep House, The Chained Corpses Awaken. Number two, Malignant. Gabriel emerges and slash the prison massacre. Number three, Midnight Mass. Riley in the wrong place at the wrong time. Number four, The Night House. I'm not Owen. And number five, St. Maud when Amanda transforms. All right. So, so Vera, what did you think about these, these scares in general? Like just, uh, had you seen all these films? Do you know all these moments that the, what they're talking about? Yes. I've seen all of them now. Mm. I, I thought personally, because, um, of, as you know, my fear being thalassophobia, fear of things unknown in the water, fear of man-made objects in the water, I despise so much. 
Um, so the deep house for me was the most frightening. Um, but I think that definitely ex- with the exception of, <laughs> of the night house, um, I think that all of them are deserving of this category. So I'm excited to open this ballot and find out who wins. All right. Anybody else got any other strong feelings on the scares uh, in this particular moment? Has everybody seen these? You know, do you agree? Are, you, are any of you just like, that was a weak moment? Who cares Malig- about that? Malignant. I'm going to, I'm going to throw the flag on malignant because that's ah. even scare me. I was like, where, when did the matrix, uh, you know, stunt coordinators get involved <laughs> in this movie? And, and I mean, <laughs> it just got so extreme that I feel like it kind of took any of the, the fear or scare out of it because it was just so over the top. Mm. I could not agree uh-huh. with that any more than I do. I can. I, what, what you just said, all of it. Yeah, you predicted Voldemort was going to make an appearance. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's right. You did, Asia. I still I thought, don't know if I believe you, but I trust you. So I'm just going to take you at your word. I thought the deep house was spooky. Like the whole. I mean, I, so the the moment where those things awaken or whatever. That that's the reason I watched it. Is I saw that on the scare list. And I thought. And I remember in, in the podcast, Reed, you said like uh, it's a very effective moment. <laughs> and I thought, oh, I wonder what that I wonder what that looks like. And so I watched it and I kept like being like, I wonder what what I'm looking for here. <laughs> and then then it happened. I was like, oh, there it is. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was it was quite frightening. And so I thought, uh, but even I think in the context of the bigger film, like that was just just the fact that it was so claustrophobic, like the the fact in the whole thing that you couldn't, like I kept being like, could you just? I kept wanting to say to them, like, could you just turn the camera a little more? Or <laughs> I, but you know, you only see what they show you, and I was like, Ugh. so that's my two cents on the on the deep house of the exactly. scary. It was, it was very scary. So, and I had to have to take the chance to shut out the night house because <laughs> there it is, <laughs> night house. Because I just Do keep it. pooping on it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's well, and that moment that I'm not Owen moment that like I will admit, even with my lack of affection for Nighthouse, I will give applause to that moment because it got me, it caught me. Um, one of the things that is kind of interesting, small peek behind the curtain. So when we did this, this is our first time doing the Foggy Awards. When we did this, we had listeners submit for their for your consideration, just like you know, and and basically the nominations went by. Uh, you know, a little bit of influence from myself and Nathan, where basically like we got to pick our own version of nominee and I won't tell you which one was mine. But then uh, the uh, the listeners voted on the other three. And what was interesting about this one is that the one perhaps more than any other nomination in any other category, the one thing that got mentioned more than anything else was Amanda's transformation in St. Maud. Like so many people dropped that moment as the their favorite scare or what they wanted considered for their favorite scare. I think as seriously, I think I got more considerations for that specific moment in that category than any other thing in the foggies, which I did find really, really interesting. <laughs> so uh, yeah, clearly that moment resonated for a lot of people. I and think it is interesting. Yeah. Uh, I was just going to say, so yeah. the scares, it feels like it's a mix of like jump scares and also like dread filled moments. You know what I mean? So like, for midnight mm-hmm. mass, like the 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 titular midnight mass is like a, a horrifying scene, but you've got the jump scare with with Riley's attack, and it feels like so. Right. It almost feels like it could be two different categories as far as you know mm. for the scariest moments. So, 
maybe in a future installment of the fog we'll we'll split yeah. those out a little bit best jump scare versus best yeah. dread moment or something yeah. who knows yeah. we're, we're keeping things light this time but boy <laughs> maybe, maybe there's room to grow um so vera unless anybody has anything profound to say i think we're ready to dive in and see what has won this all right, all right. here we go here we go i'm opening the seal and the winner of the best scare is <gasps> what? Uh, we still have a tie. It's a tie. <laughs> that is right. Our very first Foggy Award ever is a tie between Malignant, Gabriel Emerges, slash Prison Massacre, and St. Maud, Amanda Transforms. <laughs> My gosh, that's crazy. So what's funny about that is it was tied when we closed voting. And then again, peek behind the curtain, I gave it out to a small subset of people to say, okay, let's break this tie. The tie still didn't break. It was still even Steven. So I was like, okay, Whoa. this award just wants to be a tie. This award just wants to, to be a tie. So, so we, that's what we we're going to do. We looked it up. It's Oscar legit. There have been ties in the past before. So it's true. <laughs> so we need the vote so break the vote, right? <laughs> yeah i won't say which of those two i would have voted for so uh but we'll let it remain fair on that regard uh but yes congratulations to both malignant for that absolutely bananas bonkers prison massacre when gabriel emerges and to saint maud which i would happily give the official sort of poop club award for yeah. amanda's transformation <laughs> as the most jarring and frightening thing that i have seen in very long time so congratulations to both of those films um next up is the award for best production design. So Andrew, yes. why don't you tell us what those nominees are for best production design? <clears throat> and the nominees are <laughs> Sensor. Sensor is a film about <laughs> <laughs> we got Sensor, we've got Come True, we have The Green Knight, Squid Game, and Willy's Wonderland. Mm. Now, Those Andrew, I'm going to start with you. Yeah, as this is as this is the category that you're reading. So, <laughs> have you seen these? How did you feel about these getting some love for their production? Yeah. So, so the two that I have not seen, uh, I did not see Willie's Wonderland yet. I had recommended mm -hmm. by a friend outside of the Foggy community yesterday, actually, oddly enough, um, who said they watched it. Um, and then Come True, I, I've been meaning to see it. I just haven't had a chance to. Is uh, but I've heard I've heard Reed say it's very effective. <laughs> it's, it's a good one. Um, so that's one thing. Um, and so Censor, I I think I voted I voted for that in the when I cast a vote. I cast a mm -hmm. vote for the production for that. Um, but they're, but they're all all these I think all these are deserving I think mm. uh, censor had this weird aesthetic of like I don't know if it, who who all has seen it in this in this little um, so we only had two we had two well so there's like the the aesthetic is like eighties grimy kind of grindhouse like weird almost snuffy films it's really weird and this uh and we see the film sets it's, it's about like mm -hmm. because it's about the there's these sen it's about a woman who's a part of the they were called these film nasties in the mm -hmm. 80s i think in the Video uk yep. yeah in the uk and they would like censor them and so they would go through and say okay this part needs to be cut this part needs to be cut and that's how they would censor the movies and this woman starts losing grips on things whatever well it was just so 
grimy and weird and surreal. Like, and so the production design was great for that. Um, I have not seen it come true. Green Knight was great. Um, I like it had parts of it that were uncomfortable, some stuff that I never like seen in a movie that was interesting. Um, there were moments that were profound and I thought the overall, just the, the look of it and the feel of it was just like very, it was just really pleasing to look at just the whole thing. It was just really exciting and cool to see um, squid game. I didn't like <laughs> Wasn't wasn't I wasn't on the Squid Game? Uh, I, I watched. Wow. I was Andrew. I know, I know, I know. I, I'm breaking hearts today. I'm I'm, not, I'm just I'm just here to report the awards. I'm not here to make friends. <laughs> um, so, so no. Um, I thought Squid Game. I watched it at a time I was feeling like down. I was not having a good. I was going through some stuff, and I was like, I just don't want to see people die. Like this isn't. Fun. It's not an uplifting show. <laughs> yeah, and You're so like, I don't Hunger Games. No, I, I tried watching it in like two or three sittings, and was. Just just like okay i just don't have the bandwidth for it but the production design is very creepy and amazing but like just the scale of it like you just wonder like how did they like because a lot of it i'm sure they use cgi for some of it but a lot of it like looks like just actual sets and i was like practical yeah yeah and i'm like just what so that was crazy you can use that as my review for squid game what (laughs) um andrew nelson fire of god um uh yeah and willie's wonderland uh i'm sure it's a cage pleaser i've not seen it though so yeah those are my two cents on the the, the awards here i will say I, i will say giving my cent and a half that like of any of the categories in the foggies you look at these nominees and even if you just watch the trailers for them you understand why they're nominated for production design because each of these films in their own way just look outstanding. I mean, censor mm-hmm. for what you mentioned, like, you know, it's very colorful too in a lot of these very sort of uh, like otherworldly ways. Yeah. Squid Game, which I actually just, I kid, I kid you not, finished it last night. My first time oh, wow. seeing it. Um, Are you okay? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. I'm fine. Um, so, so, so saving what would could potentially be a broader review of Squid Game the there were shots and images in that where i was just like this is stunning this is just really stunning to look at it's a very arresting visual um and uh, and then i had i had said this on the show about come true i don't really think come true is a very strong movie as a whole but there are dream sequences in it and those dream sequences holy cow like i can't i can't get them out of my head they are incredible to look at i don't know how they did them unless they are just absolutely all created inside a computer, which maybe they are, but they look astounding mm. and, and they are very, very hard to shake once you've seen them because they use like dream logic for the visuals to the degree of like, you're, you're kind of floating through this landscape and seeing things in the landscape that are just really unnerving and very, very effective. So, mm. so that's my praise for come true. Although confessionally, I wouldn't praise much else about it. Mm. Um, and then the uh, yeah, and just uh, and then the Green Knight, yeah. I mean, I love. It's no surprise on this show how much I love Dave Lowry. Like, I think his his work is tremendous, and so yeah, so I really love Green Knight. Before we get to it, does anybody else have any particular things to say about it? Anybody see how these? Was, how was last night yeah. in Soho not uh, nominated? Is is what I want to say. <laughs> Thank well, you. I can actually Thank tell you, you why. 
<laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> we have an answer. Uh, right? Nobody they, cares, Andrew. <laughs> I know. It's okay. well, uh, He's just like, how do I mute him? How do I mute this mic? <laughs> ah, sorry. <laughs> Again, don't censor me. Hey, um, you know what's funny? What what is really interesting is when most of the four year considerations came in, and I, nobody asked for this in terms of like when we pitched it to people. But what tended to be the case is that if somebody got a lot of love for a film, then they would nominate that for like picture director, maybe performance, something like that. But then they would pick something different for production design because production design tended to be the one where somebody would almost like throw a nugget to another film they loved that they didn't nominate elsewhere. I don't know why that happened, because again, we didn't specify that, but in the four-year considerations, that tended to be what happened, is people would say like, oh, like for instance, with Last Night in Soho, they'd say like, well, I'm gonna nominate it for picture, I'm gonna nominate it for director, I'm gonna nominate it for these performances, and then production design, they would drop like Sensor, or they would drop like Squid Game or something like that. So it's sure. like, wow, that's, that was really interesting. And I think the I, as best I could understand it, is I think that was just the opportunity for people to give some love for something else they really responded to that they didn't necessarily nominate for the rest of the things. That's as much as I can figure out from, I think, from how I those think came that's, I think that's why I was surprised um, that uh, Nightmare Alley wasn't on this list. <laughs> Mm, in that mm, category because yeah. i i know it had mixed reactions i'm a big big fan of it but <laughs> at least in production values it's it seems like that category would have been prime space had to some great cinematography in it too yeah yeah nightmare alley is a gorgeous film it is it is an absolutely beautiful film to look at um what is interesting is like yeah it only got out of the you know 30 to 40 submissions that we got in the four-year consideration nightmare alley was only mentioned i think by two people which is interesting. And that, and it was only mentioned in the production design category. So like <laughs> nothing else. <laughs> and so it was just like, wow, that was, that was interesting. Um, but the, but yeah, I do think that like, there are just a tremendous amount of, uh, it, it's like a downgrading that people have. They don't realize how hard it is to make a film look as, as beautiful and gorgeous as it is. I think there's a recognition that performance takes hard work, that writing takes hard work. And maybe I'm wrong about this, but I think, there's not as much recognition of the severe amount of time and energy that it goes into making a thing look so perfect that you don't even notice it. You're just sort of in awe of it and then move on, uh, which I definitely think these films deserve applause for. Production design is genuinely like a whole third of my enjoyment, if not more. Like there are movies Hmm. that genuinely are not that great, but if they're beautiful enough, I will like them. I will have affection (laughs) for them. If, if, and again, there are exceptions to that, which is how you end up with like dumpster fires, like the turning, which is visually beautiful <laughs> and nothing else. It's well acted, but um, sure, sure. I don't know. Product, yeah, production design is to me just so much of why you go to the movies. Sure, so. sure. Totally understood. Totally understood. Well, Andrew, we've been in suspense enough. Go ahead and <laughs> reveal to us who won the Foggy for production design. And the Foggy Award goes to. He froze. No, he's the Green Knight. (laughs) (laughs) The Green Knight. Uh, Interesting. That was very clever of you, Andrew. Um, Yeah. So the Green, the Green Knight receives the Foggy Award. I definitely, I I was, I was stunned by that film's visual aesthetic. Uh, I, I definitely 
I definitely we give we give our hearty applause to the Green Knight and to everybody who voted for it for a foggy award. I was, was going to ask about the Green Knight since I haven't seen it yet, uh, and I, I read a plot synopsis. Uh, what makes that a horror movie? That's a good question. <laughs> it's a good question. So it's it's it's, it's a bit adjacent. Right what yeah. is horror? So I will say I will say in in brevity is that at best it is horror adjacent, although. The principal plot line is that um, the the titled character, uh, well, not the titled character yet. Uh, uh, Dev Patel plays a knight in the rising ranks. He wants to be a knight, um, and he accepts a challenge from this mystical character called the Green Knight to deliver a wound. And he says, "If you deliver a wound." The only requirement is you have to allow me to deliver the same wound to you one year from now at this at this exact same time. So Dev Patel's character, and this is in the opening 10 minutes of the movie. So yes, yeah. I'm spoiling a small bit, but it's the first 10 minutes mm-hmm. of the movie. Um, so Dev Patel cuts off the Green Knight's head, like <clears throat> thinking I will deliver a wound that he cannot deliver back to me. <laughs> the Green Knight then stands up, collects his head, puts it okay. back on his body and says, see you next year. And then like, <laughs> so, so, so then um, what proceeds is, is a journey where he has to encounter a number of unnerving and, and tense situations as he journeys to confront this green knight again. So is it horror in the traditional give you nightmares sense? No, but it has a fantastical kind of yeah. macabre sensibility to it. It's also lovely in a number of surprising ways. Um, and, and definitely it would be classified in my mind at most to be horror adjacent, to yeah. be completely fair. Yeah, I think there the, is the enough dismemberment uh, quality yeah. qualifies it enough. <laughs> yes, there is there is definitely enough. And that is obviously not the only, you know, the the adventures that he goes on do not only revolve around that confrontation. There are other things he encounters along the way, uh spectral uh entities and things like mm-hmm. that. So so a little bit in that vein, though it it, yeah. it is in fairness not nightmarish in that sense uh it's not the kind of thing that's going to spook you necessarily yeah i like, I like the, the fantasy element makes it intriguing to me so bro we'll just take his pinky soon. finger why the head yeah, <laughs> yeah just, just took the head <laughs> yeah, uh, okay one of the movies i've felt strongest about as far as production design it's the only mm-hmm. nominee it received but it is beautiful to look at and there's a lot of contrast in this movie as well you start off in Camelot, you see King Arthur, and it's very dingy, very gritty, and kind of subverts your expectations a bit. And it's as uh, Dev Patel's character goes out on his adventure, his quest, if you will, like that's where the strange and the beautiful and the exotic kind of take over. And then there's the titular character himself. The Green Knight is just fantastic. He's a big part at the beginning of the movie and the end of the movie. But when he's on screen, you just you can't take your eyes off him. Absolutely. And that actor, the actor who plays the Green Knight also played the father in The Witch. So he has this really nice oh. gravelly voice. Yeah, the gravelly and, yeah, voice. It's, yeah, it's really, <laughs> it's really cool. I would highly encourage really anybody to see that film. I, I, mm-hmm. I responded very strongly to that film. I loved it. Uh, and I'm very happy that it, that it won a Foggy Award. Um, okay, so that brings us to none other than... Our award for the Foggies for Best Writing. Okay, Matt Murray, take us away. What are the nominees for Best Writing? And the nominees are Jordan Peele, Nia DaCosta, Wynne Rosenfeld for Candyman, Candyman, 
Ben Collins yeah, and Luke right Petrowski for the Night House. Rose Glass for St. Maud. Julia Ducorne for Titan. And Mishnah Wolf for Werewolves Within. Mm. So obviously writing is something near and dear to my heart, but I want to know what everybody else thinks about these these nominees. What, how do you feel about these specifically being recognized for, for writing? Any strong thoughts one way or another? Matt, I'll start with you since it's your category. Yeah, so I've seen uh, everything but St. Modern Titan, the two that I'll never see. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so Candyman, The Night House, and Werewolves Within. Uh, yeah, I was, uh, I'm on the Dave train. I, I was a big fan of The Night House. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was, I was, uh, screaming at the podcast <laughs> while you guys were recording. So, <laughs> but, uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was, uh, very well done. Uh, I thought it was, uh, um, just a beautiful look at this, this, uh, marriage and, and kind of what it went through. And, uh, and then on the other end of the spectrum, werewolves within just extremely clever, uh, just funny writing, just, uh, keeping you going. You're either shocked or, uh, horrified or, laughing hysterically moment to moment. So I thought that was very hard to do. And I think the writing had a lot to do with that. Oh, that's awesome. Any, any other thoughts on the writing category? Uh, I'll throw in. Oh, nope. go ahead. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy. I hope, I hope it goes to werewolves within it's based on a video game. Video games typically aren't known for having like best writing. So to take mm. like what they have there and make it into a movie that is pretty hysterical. Um, yeah. I'm I'm glad that they did that, and so I hope we get some credit where credits due. And the video game was based on a board game, so yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> crazy! No oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. It's wild, Dave. What were you going to say? Um, well, for all my love of the Night House, I um, <laughs> I would also give attention to Candyman here because I, I do think that it it there were some challenges that it faced in translating. Um, the story into uh, something fresh and something new. I think the way it figures out how to do that, um, I found really compelling, like um, on a thematic level. And I think, um, yeah. I think the writing in the film in particular is, is really strong to that end. Very nice. Very nice. All right. Well, look, we've had enough suspense, Matt, rip off the bandaid. What won the foggy for best writing? And the winner is uh, La La Land. I don't know. Wow. Uh, <laughs> it's really Moonlight. Read it again. It's really oh, Moonlight. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just a little uh, Oscar humor for everyone. Uh, no, the winner is uh, Miss No Wolf or Werewolves Within. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah. Werewolves Within. That's awesome. I am, you know, I was really happy to see that get so much writing love. And then in the votes, you know, the, a lot of these races were pretty close, but but it was a it, it was pretty certain from the voting as the voting was coming in that if Werewolves Within was going to get some love, it was going to get it for its writing, which I definitely applaud and agree with. I thought it was an, an exceptional script. I thought it was very funny, very clever. Uh, well, and you can hear all of my gushing about it on our episode for Werewolves Within. So huge congratulations to Mishnah Wolf and Werewolves Within for that script. Um I will take a pause right now, and this will be where we have a little special uh, award, if you will. So uh, we also are going to give a a special award, a special honorary foggy, if you will, to Midnight Mass, because 
Midnight Mass was mentioned by several people in the writing category for the four-year consideration. And when we were finalizing the nominations, it seemed unfairly competed to have Midnight Mass, which had an entire staff of writers and seven hours in which to tell its story, to be competitive against feature-length entries, some of which only had a singular credit writer. So we didn't think that was really fair. Um, now, Midnight Mass has unquestionably prompted more debate and dialogue within the fog than almost anything else that we've ever covered. Some people are rapturous about it. Some people had some very real issues and challenges with it. But one thing I think is fair to say across the board is that it arrested all of our imaginations. And that's no small feat to do in today's ongoing avalanche of, of content options. Uh, it challenged and it inspired, it frustrated and it frightened. In some cases, it may even have infuriated us or given us an ointment for our aching hearts. Um, it didn't land the same for everyone, which I think speaks to its inventive and creative power and to the way that it chose to approach this fraught and complicated subject. So in that spirit, uh, the Foggies would like to award the writing team for Netflix's Midnight Mass, helmed by director and showrunner Mike Flanagan, with an honorary Foggy Award for impressive achievement in writing. I think it's fair to say that if you still haven't seen that series, we would urge you to do so. And when you do, we have a whole host of conversations that you can enjoy to talk about it. Uh, so congratulations again just for that special honorary award to the writing team of Midnight Mass. Um, and now, if we will, uh, Steve, you had suggested sort of before we began, mm -hmm. uh, and, and I hadn't even thought of this, which made me feel a little sad, but I'm so glad that you did. Um, we're going to take a moment, and we've had a lot of frivolity and everything, but we're going to take a moment and uh, a bit more somberly remember and, and uh, proverbially uh, give some, some recognition as an in memoriam, if you will. Steve, uh, you said you have a, a list of some, yeah. maybe some fog canon writers and directors. Or yeah, I looked up... People who had passed away in the past uh, year or so, I guess in 2021 and, and the first part of 22, um, actors mm. and directors uh, who have been talked about during the curse, course of the fear of God and in wow. uh, the main mainly covered material. Um, just a short list. Um, first, Edward Asner from uh, Cobra yeah. Kai. He appeared as Johnny Lawrence's uh, stepfather. Mm. Uh, Michael K. Williams. Uh, he had a small part in the Purge Anarchy. Oh, yeah, that's and, right. And, I forgot. Uh, HBO's Lovecraft Country, too, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. He's um, definitely in that. Mm -hmm. Richard Donner, director of The Omen, or O-Man. <laughs> O-Man. <laughs> O-Man. <laughs> and, uh, and we know him from the, the movie Alien, Yafet Kodo. Mm. Oh, Parker. wow. Yes. The director of Ghostbusters, Ivan Reitman, passed away. Mm. Yeah, very sad. And also from Ghostbusters, he had a little bit scene, Larry King. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's exactly and right. most recently, William Hurt passed away, um, who was in Dark City and The Village and in the MCU Avengers Infinity War and Endgame. That were bonus episodes. Very, very true. So um, thank you very, very much, Steve, for putting together that list. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we can uh take even just a brief moment to honor uh it, you know it's it's always a hard thing when uh when somebody who has through their creative powers or talents has touched or affected or even simply contributed to something that has brought joy or even in what we do brought frights or engaged the emotions and imaginations that is no small feat and so um thank you so much for suggesting that we can give I, them can some I throw honor in, the you're welcome sure yeah. can i throw yeah, in one do. name um, yeah please first. do Dave. Uh, Studio 666, uh, Taylor Sheridan, 
or uh, uh, what is his name? It's not Taylor. Oh, Sheridan. Sorry, Taylor Hawkins. Name? Sorry, Taylor, Taylor Hawkins. Hawkins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, th- that was literally yesterday. I was stunned. Mm-hmm. I was absolutely stunned. Uh, the drummer, longtime drummer for the Foo oh, Fighters. Yeah, yeah, Foo um, Fighters. I don't. I don't even think they have announced what the what the the reason for his passing was or if they have i have not seen it it is so recent and the news and the uh the the tributes just poured forth on on every feed that i looked at just people so shocked uh i knew a lot of people and still know a lot of people who are in the sound element of the film industry uh and they said that they had personally met him multiple times and that he was just a real sweetheart of a person and that they were very, very saddened to hear this news. So, so yes, thank you for Studio mentioning 666 that. is a new film, like a musical film that he was part of. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. It, it, it actually features the, the entire Foo Fighters, like Dave Grohl, like uh, they are, I haven't seen it yet, but they, uh, they all are, uh, uh, they're the leads characters in the film, aren't they, Dave? I know you've seen it. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Yeah. It's very much a niche kind of film um mm. i think it's primed to be a cult classic or or yeah. maybe it would be in another era but um i had a lot of fun with it my wife is a big big Foo fighters fan so um mm. that was uh it was fun to watch it with her <laughs> and with the crowd that seemed uh, equally into it so yeah so they like to yeah. rec- record a new album in, in a haunted house or some some such frivolity oh, yeah. they, really i uh, didn't even know the premise yeah, um, they did do recording in this house, um, like in real time, but they incorporated that into into the movie. Right. <laughs> and, like it kind of started as something small and then it eventually grew into a whole entire movie. Yeah, the trailer looked great. Yeah, um, I, that's definitely one that's going to be on my priority list. And uh, again, I, I appreciate you mentioning him yeah I'm looking uh, at the wikipedia page and it says that john carpenter actually has a role in the music of the film too really oh yeah. i hadn't heard that at all oh, john wow. carpenter and cody carpenter is that his son yeah, yeah and that's the team he and his son they do that um they're the ones like anything any new music from john carpenter in the past like five to seven years is going to be him with with his son cody uh, including the scores for the Halloween movies, the recent Halloween movies. Yep. They worked on mm. those together. Uh, worked on those with a third name, which I, I don't have pulled up and I'm, I'm embarrassed to say I've forgotten, but I think his son-in-law actually works on it with them. Um, but very, very family affair, kind of the production of those. Um, okay, so again, want to thank you both for mentioning that uh, and uh, for us taking a moment to honor our fallen uh, inspirations and creatives in the horror world. And we will move on now with the remainder of the program. I think the next one up is Award for Best Supporting Performance. So, Steve, I'm going to turn it back over to you to tell us the nominees for Best Supporting Performance. The nominees for Best Supporting Performance are Anya Taylor-Joy for Last Night in Soho, Robert Longstreet for Midnight Mass, Zach Guilford for Midnight Mass, Gracie Gillum for Superhost, and Vincent Linden for Titane. Mm-hmm. Steve, what do you think about these nominees? How do you, I don't know, I don't recall exactly what you've seen and not seen, but I've not seen uh, Titane. I do know who Vincent Linden is. I've seen him in some other things, so I know he's a good actor. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, I put forth for consideration Gracie Gillum for Superhost, so 
I do uh, mm-hmm. agree that that's a great performance and, uh, and a, a great film to see. If you want to see a good horror comedy and uh, a great out- outrageous performance by her. Um, some of these some of these performances you you could go back and forth on what, whether it's supporting or or just a regular performance because some of them are from like ensemble movies. So there's not exactly a lead. Everybody right. is really right. a co-lead. So like Zach Gilbert, <laughs> you might say he's like the main role in Midnight Mass if there is a main role. Mm. Like he's he's like the guy you follow from the opening scene in the whole series towards uh, when he exits. <laughs> um, that is a that is a, a tricky thing sometimes yeah. when to to categorize. Like, is this a lead performance? Is this a supporting performance? Because we mentioned Silence of the Lambs for Oscar history. Anthony Hopkins won a Best Actor for 23 minutes of screen time in a two-hour right. film. So it's uh, yeah, it's always a bit bit nebulous when they begin to determine those kinds of things. And a lot of it is what people choose to put them forth for. Like when when yeah. studios campaign, uh, they straight up said, I don't remember if, if people know this, and this is a slight side tangent. Remember when, um, oh gosh, uh, Vi- uh, Viola Davis won for Fences, uh, I think a couple of years ago. For She won an Oscar for Supporting Actor. And to your point, Steve, she was really like, she had as much screen time as Denzel Washington did. And yeah. she won for Supporting Actor. They were like, why didn't you go for, for Best Actor? And the studios didn't even pretend. They were just like, she wouldn't have won Best Actor, but we thought there was a good yeah. chance she'd win support. That's what they said so in, in 1980 for, for uh, Timothy Hutton. When he was, oh, yeah. you could really say he's the lead of Ordinary People. Yep, that's right. Uh, but but he couldn't have did with all those big uh, big hitters that were nominated that year. I forget who exactly. Maybe it was uh, Robert De Niro again. or yeah. Um, and then Robert Longstreet, he was definitely uh, supporting. You know, I really liked him in Midnight Mass. Um, and then Anya yeah. Taylor Joy, she was she was only in the real the like the fantasy sequences, right? She wasn't. Um, she's a she's a pretty she's a pretty yeah. prominent character. Go ahead, yeah. Asia, you take def- it. definitely you take supporting, it. but yeah. Well, just to what you guys were already saying, that to me was one of those categories where I, when I saw her in supporting, I was like, I guess she is only, I guess she is supporting because I guess I saw her <laughs> as for sort of equally as prominent of a character as the lead. Um, as yeah. Thomason, so that you can was only a- support a movie like this so much, though. Wow, Andrew, you need to stop now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Keep going. I'll start with that. Sorry. I'm sorry. I will say, I will say this for, I will say this for Anya Taylor Joy. I think she is so uh, on the right wavelength for what she needs to do with her creative talents that I, honest to God, think she could just show up and like read stereo instructions right. and it would be incredibly compelling and fascinating to watch. She is just, she's a really captivating presence in anything that she's in, because I would even say, even for this one and Asia, we had this whole conversation about last night in Soho. I think even for this one, she's not doing anything uncharacteristically different right. than what she's done in other places. She's just so compelling. It's hard mm-hmm. to forget her. It's hard to forget her. And, and I would even argue for last night in Soho, that she's more prominently in my mind, in my memory about it yep. than Thomas and McKenzie is. Yep. Uh, well, even though Thomas and McKenzie, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, but she's she's so so strong in really anything that she does. So um, so yeah. Anybody else have anything to say before we reveal the winner? No. Okay. All right, Steve. Let us have it. And the foggy goes to Zach Guilford from Midnight Mass. 
Oh, Zach Yay. Guilford for Midnight Mass. All right. All right. Congratulations very, very much to Zach Guilford. Uh, uh, also participating in the best scare, uh, you know, one of the nominees for best scare. So definitely a prominent figure, Midnight Mass. I, 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 I take your point, Steve. It's hard with a show like Midnight Mass to know, well, who's really considered the lead and, and who's not. But, uh, but I think I, I'm, I'm happy with a supporting win for him over lead because of his presence only really in the first, like, you know, four or five episodes, and then he's just really not in it for the for the grand finale through the last. Yeah, time, I think this, so. this role was the first time he's really stuck in my memory. Um, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. It was a very good performance. So I, I have seen him before. Going back and looked, he was in the Purge Anarchy, but I guess that wasn't as memorable a role. Um, <laughs> and I didn't. I haven't right. seen uh, uh, Friday Night Lights. Ah, okay, that's a great show. That's yeah. a, I, I love that show. But I'm looking forward to him. He was being cast. He's been cast in the next. Uh, and then the next the next series from Flanagan, right? Yeah. 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 Fall of the House of Usher. So Flanagan tackles Poe next time. So I'm really curious right. to see what they do. But yeah. Flanagan's um, are... recycling actors. <laughs> never, <laughs> never done that before. It's unprecedented. I will um, say, even though he did not, even though he did not win, Longstreet for me is one of those people. Anytime he shows up in the Flanoverse, I'm just like, oh, yay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would wholeheartedly agree. I love him. He's got such a great voice too. It's a great mm-hmm. presence. He's, I know this is just the creative art and craft of, of um, acting, but he's the type of person that I'm just like, I just want him to be my friend. I just, yes. I, I want to be friends with this guy <laughs> and, uh, and I want to hang out with him. So yeah. His I, cadence I totally and how he says things too. He, he was, he was the priest, right? In that? No, 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 no. Oh, uh, Robert right. Longstreet was the um, uh, Joe Colley. He was the drunk. Oh, oh! <laughs> yeah, I know. Right, that, that's exact. That's the, the guy exact who sounds like Tom Waits. That is that is the right reaction. Yeah. No, Reed. I think yeah. actually the next Flanagan series is The Midnight Club. Have you I heard think that? It's a movie. Oh, that's a that's a movie. I think. Yeah. The, now movie? I don't know. Yeah. In fairness, I don't know whether Midnight Club is coming out before Fall of House of Usher, but I know his next series it does say is Fall of you know, House of Usher. Well, it does say on this. Uh, wikipedia entry i'm looking at that it is a streaming series um, oh interesting i did not realize that it was. And it has zach guilford huh. and that yeah that gum i just can't keep up with everything that man's doing <laughs> yeah. yeah who else it's is the weekly that? meeting uh, with netflix and mike flanagan uh actress <laughs> from nightmare on elm street uh heather langenkamp is in that too Ooh, <laughs> that will be cool that would yeah. be cool to see her again and a she's lot actually other, made a, a lot of other a lot of other people flanagan <laughs> That doesn't surprise me. And, and William, D, William um, B. Davis, the smoking man, isn't it? Oh, really? Yeah, I, didn't, yeah. I thought he had retired. That's cool. Um, <laughs> okay, so uh, that was supporting actor again for Zach Guilford uh, winning it for Midnight Mass for his work. Uh, it is time now for lead performance. Asia, I'm coming to you. Give us the nominees for best lead performance. Righty. Well, the nominees for best lead performance are Thomas and McKenzie for Last Night in Soho, Hamish Linklater for Midnight Mass, Morfid Clark for St. Maud, Chloe Grace Moretz for Shadow in the Cloud, and Agatha Ruzel for Titane. Mm-hmm. Asia, what do you think about these nominees? I think that they're all excellent. I will admit I have not seen Shadow in the Cloud or Titane yet. Um, mm. I did watch the Chris Stuckman review of Titan just because I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I have a 
large fondness for um, the first three nominees. Those were those were all movies that in my personal voting got a lot of love and, and affection last night. Soho, Midnight Mass, St. Maud, those were very high up on my list in general. So I think all of these are very, very worthy uh, nominees, um, just really shouldering a lot of be it emotion or um, weight of depth um, or horrifyingness <laughs> um, in their in their films. I think these are all very very worthy um, worthy nominees. Even though I've I've not seen the last two. Okay, gotcha. Well, I I definitely think well, especially for Shadow in the Cloud. I definitely think it's worth your time if you get the chance to do it. Titan is a tough watch. Titan Agatha Rizal. Absolutely an astounding performance, but it's a really tough watch. <laughs> it's very difficult to sit through. Feels unfair to have uh, Amanda and Father Paul in the same category. Feels like <laughs> it's hard. I know. Hard to pick between it's, the two of them. Well, and it's actually, yeah. And and what's what's really strange about it is that it's just like St. Maud, what is being asked of everybody in that production is is so pushing a boulder up Everest. And I don't know what it was like on the set. Something that you often hear actors talk about is that if the film is really dark and heavy, more often than not, the set is very vibrant and full of fun and people are enjoying themselves and things like that. And that actually, in most cases, you can hear that like on comedies, that like comedies are hard because people mm -hmm. never think they're funny enough. They always want to try to get it right. And there's a lot of like tension and a little bit of competition and stuff like that. Um, so it, it could have been that the St. Maud set was just a blast. <laughs> or if but you're working with it, Stanley Kubrick, they actually try to kill you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <But> <laughs> he, was, he was way too, he was like yeah. the first method he director. Yeah, yeah. He was absolutely insane. I mean, to um, think of uh, no. where Hamish Linkletter went from before Midnight Mass to like a small, you know, forgettable roles to like leading a, a series like this that's so heavy and dense and what he, what he New brought Adventures to of old christine to night mass <laughs> yeah <laughs> and he's such a i mean he's such a tortured character in the show like i just feel like there's so many different ways they could have played him i mean he could have been mm -hmm. like hateable he's not hateable at all you just feel so bad for him even with all the horrors that he's bringing up on the town like you just feel so bad for him and that's all in his performance it's, it's pretty incredible yeah, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Anybody else got anything to say about these nominees before we let Asia break our silence? I, I don't know if this is going to be controversial, but I actually prefer Thomas, Thomas and McKenzie over Anna Taylor-Joy um, mm. last night and so. Ah. But I'm, I'm a big fan of hers in general, so I, th I thought she really delivered um in the lead performance of of the film i know anna taylor joy does um <laughs> she commands the the presence of the screen anytime she's on but sure sure i think uh thomas and mckenzie maybe has a, a little bit slightly quieter vibe a little um below the you know below the surface kind of approach but um but i really like her um yeah I, Thomas and McKenzie first, actually, I've, I've seen her in other things, but where she first caught my attention was her role in Old, M. Night Shyamalan's Old. And, and so that was where she stood out to me as a performer. And it was, it was not very long after that, that I saw her in Last Night in Soho. And then with those, those pair of performances, 
really solidified her in my mind. And now I've seen her in a couple of things since then where I was like, oh, Thomas McKenzie. She's just like, I saw her in something. I wish I could remember what it was. Jojo she literally Rabbit? had like a three. No, it wasn't Jojo yeah. Rabbit, oh, but she had like a three minute part in it. She was literally on it for, she was on screen for like, oh, Oh, I remember. Uh, I think she had a small role in the Good Lord Bird, the miniseries starring Ethan oh, Hawke. Oh yeah. I think she shows up for just like for just like a couple of scenes. I was like, yeah, it's Thomas and McKenzie. Look at that. But she was um, in town. Yes, I, <laughs> she was in town and decided I'll do this movie. <laughs> One super All right. random thing. Great I, show. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, really. One super random yeah. thing I can never get out of my head when I think about last night in Soho is uh, Thomason is such a unique name. And she is in the mm. film with Anna Taylor Joy, who plays a character named Thomason in The Witch, which to me, which is uh-huh. a very unique name. So it's really <laughs> weird. It's really weird. Those overlaps. I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Uh, anybody else got anything on these? No. Uh, Morfitt Clark, uh, what she did in St. Maude, it felt like such a different, difficult role to tackle. I was really mm. impressed with her and. Win or lose this foggy, I'm looking forward to seeing her in further roles. Yes. In Galadriel, yes. she's in the new mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings series. Right. That's exactly right. I'm very curious to see how she tackles that one because she's an, she's an outstandingly committed performer. She was really, really captivating to watch. Um, yeah, couldn't, couldn't agree more. All right, Asia, I think there's been enough talk. Let's go ahead and uh, reveal the lead performer. All right. And the winner for best lead performance is... Hamish freaking Linklater. Wow, yeah. for Midnight Mass. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that was a very, very difficult role to pull off. Uh, I think I think it absolutely he do, he does an outstanding job. I'm happy to I'm happy to see him take this. It's really, really cool. He's another one that I would just love to talk to sometime about his approach to that character. That was mm. that was really, really cool. Well, huge congratulations to Hamish Linklater for his role in Midnight Mass. And that brings us to the award for Best Director. Dave, Courtney, take us away with the nominees. All right. Best Director nominees, uh, starting with Perino Bailey Bond for Censor, Edgar Wright for Last Night in Soho, James Wan for Malignant, John Krasinski for A Quiet Place Part Two, Julia Dukuma for Titan. All right. And uh, now, have you seen all these films? How do you feel about these director nominees? I have seen them all. Um, mm. And I think it's a, a solid list. If I had to take one out, I would take out Detained. <laughs> I'm <laughs> not particularly a fan, but um, <laughs> I definitely would, um, of course, go to bat for Edgar Wright. Um, I think he did a phenomenal job with Last Night in Soho. Um, and I can see, I'm, I'm a little surprised at, at how popular Censor was. Um, yeah, yeah. But I can see, like, I can see there being a case. And, and I mean, certainly if, if production values um, stand out for it, I, I, I think director um, makes sense, too. Sure, it's a... Uh, sure. I, I, it's a really interesting kind of like an experimental type film um and james wan for malignant well i mean 
I think it's a super fun ride. And uh, yeah. I mean, it's the kind of film that I can definitely rewatch. Um, I don't know that I'm going to put that above the other candidates, but so I would say I would elevate John Krasinski for sure, or Edgar Wright. That would be my two choices. I think both films are, are really, really um, solid. Nice. Very, very nice. Very nice. Anybody else got any specific, specific thoughts on any of these? I would put one at the top myself. <laughs> one at the top? Okay. Yeah. I haven't. Oh, I guess the only one I haven't seen was Tatane, but uh, of the ones I have seen, I, I, liked yeah. his, I liked his directing the best. It's really interesting because there's like, it's hard unless you graduated from film school, which I didn't. Yeah. It, it's hard to really fine tune exactly what aspects of what you love about a film is the director like how, because there's so many elements that go into it the production design the performances the writing so so it's sometimes a little bit difficult to grasp like what is the director but i'm telling you like for for, for my take on it like if a film is exceptionally well paced if it's ex- if the scenes and the construction of the different movement from scene to scene and the movements within a scene if that works really well to where you can almost like lose yourself in the film that's applause worthy for the director. Because yes, I could see an argument for Edgar Wright, Wright too, because I'm, I was going to say like the uniqueness of, of the film mm. can be attributed to the director pulling it all together into a, yeah. something that's signature of, of that film itself. And, and Last Night in Soho has a lot of that too, but definitely Malignant is something unique in of itself. And you're sort of taken yeah. for, for a ride through the whole thing. Every actor seems to, um, have a t- have a, a certain tone to their acting too. That's it might not be the same as everything else they do in their career. And I think James Wan's probably the person who brought that together. And Absolutely. and I would I would say like what I was saying about sensor. I I do think that production value um, is where you really can see the signature um, of a particular director in a given mm. film more so than the writing more so than the performances I, I i think that production value is often where you see who these directors are kind of you know and you can recognize them from film to film to film because it, it, that's, that's where right. you see the kind of style or the kind of tone that they're known for my yeah, my heart absolutely. wants krasinski to take this because i don't think they have um quiet place two has a chance in best picture <laughs> so if they're gonna win anything it, it'd be this category but i i think it might go to to james Wan. but my heart wants krasinski to win interesting anybody else got any thoughts predictions comments anything no all right dave i think it's time to kill the suspense who won the foggy for best director foggy right. oh awards I love that you all did this. The winner is Edgar Wright for Last Night in Soho. Wow, Edgar Wright for Last (laughs) Night in Soho. Oh my gosh! So, so I haven't shared this for any um, for for any of the other nominees, but I will say just to 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 ease your bleeding heart, uh, Vera, that it was a by a nose race between Wright and Krasinski like people it was it was like they were as as the votes continued to pour in it was those two were duking it out so there was a lot of love for Krasinski in this but yes yeah so it was uh but huge congratulations to Edgar Wright for his work uh his very very difficult and challenging work in last night in Soho um all right 
Ladies and gentlemen, we are at the award of the night. Okay. It is time for the best picture. And Jacob, I'm going to turn it over to you. Read us off the nominees and then we'll chat about them for a few minutes before we wind down. All righty. Let's do it. The best picture nominees are Candyman, Malignant, A Quiet Place Part Two, Tatane, and Werewolves Within. Mm-mm-mm. Jacob, how do you feel about these films? Uh, it's a good collection. I have seen three of the five. I've not seen Candyman or Tatane. Uh, talking about John Krasinski, it's been you know, so much fun just to watch his career arc and where he started and where he is now. And uh, I think A Quiet Place Part Two is the sequel none of us really knew we wanted. But once it got <laughs> definitely here, not me. Read, yeah, definitely <laughs> not read. <laughs> once it got here, you know, it's just it's exactly um, it's what we could have hoped for more. Werewolves Within, uh, really funny. It kept me guessing the whole way through. I was like, are there werewolves in this movie? Yes, no, yes, no. I I couldn't make up my mind. And then Malignant uh, feels like like James Wan had enough clout in that one to just do what he wanted and say, this is the kind of movie I want to make. And um, and (laughs) what we got is certainly memorable. No, no joke. (laughs) No joke about it. So this is, I mean, this is the big one. Like we are about to christen the best picture of the year. I want to hear from, from everybody. This will be our last sort of conversation round table. So how, how do you guys feel about these being the, the cream of the crop? Like, are these the best pictures of the year in horror? Obviously, like, are these the best horror films out there? If somebody was like these five, is this a good selection? How do you think? Just jump in. As Tatane made it. I, to be honest, mm. that's the one yeah. that's kind of the, the odd man out of the list. Everyone else. I, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh? <laughs> right. It got mentioned so much. And for your considerations, it got mentioned so much. And it was really, really funny because then it feels like the people who championed it in the consideration either did not have, I mean, it's no secret, the fraction of people who submitted for your considerations compared to the amount of people who voted on it, there is a wide difference. But uh, yeah, it was it was pretty interesting to watch when the four-year considerations were coming through to say like, oh yeah, like a lot of people really like Titan. It pushed me to watch it. I hadn't seen it yet. And it pushed me to watch it. I was like, I need to watch this movie. And when I watched it, I was like, I've watched this movie. And so uh, that was, <laughs> so, 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 well, so it was like, <laughs> well, it's like, and listen, like, Put it on it's, the back I of the box, say, quote Reed Lackey. I've watched this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I've watched this movie, questions read. So, um, but basically, yeah. like, I think, I think for myself, like, I, I, here's where it gets hard for me is because with a film like Titan, I, I watch it and I'm like, yes, the craft that went into this, holy cow. Like, the commitment required from the actors, the vision of the director, like, it's all there. It's like, somebody makes this really much like if if you see the art that goes into like the crafting of a drink and saying oh we've plucked these we've plucked these elements from from trees in uh you know this this deep uh jungle in south africa and like then we combine that we let it you know we let it ferment for a little while and we do all this and it goes all in and then when you take the drink it's just really bitter and it's just like wow there was a tremendous amount of work to get into this that I don't enjoy drinking. <laughs> that's, that's, <laughs> that's really kind of what it boils down to. And so it's like, I feel bad 
because I want to applaud the work. So much work, so much skill. It's just not my flavor of what I enjoy receiving. And it may be, you know, it doesn't have to be my flavor. You know, do you have a flavor flavor? Do you have a one sentence, like not a review, but like a one sentence, what Titan was trying to communicate as a story? Could you even say that? I'm just curious. What it was trying to, what it, what it was trying to communicate. Yeah. I honestly am still trying to figure out. Okay. It is, it is rooted in conversations and explorations about relationship and identity, but uh, there might there be other films scene. that are much better than that. <laughs> well, yeah, there, um, and there's a there scene. is a scene where, and what? And apparently Asian? biology. Oh, no joke. Because there <laughs> is a scene where um, a character uh, has uh, intimate relationships with a vehicle. That oh, one does. And, and, okay. Yes, one yeah, does. And somehow becomes impregnated as a result of, of that interaction. Okay. And, um, and so, and, and then things, things proceed from there. I don't want to do, I don't want to do a disservice to the film by like beating up on it unfairly, but it was, I go back to not my flavor of things <laughs> for, for me, for me particularly. What's really going to be funny is if Jake and Ope, Jacob opens the envelope, it's like, today, and we're like, oh, just, yeah. like, <laughs> you know, real thing. <laughs> but, um, but I, I will say that like, yeah, go ahead, Andrew. Oh, yeah. You, I say- you talk. Just to to from Titan, if I may, real quick. I'm rooting for Candyman. I loved it. I thought it was great. Mm. There was a lot that I didn't understand. Like there was a lot that I, 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 I positive there were a lot from it that I didn't really know how to interpret. Ah, uh, gotcha. Yeah, being yeah, yeah. A, being white, and uh, I don't know. I just think there was aspects of it that I think were challenging, and like I'm like I don't understand this particular aspect of what it's saying because I think. And there, there were interesting parts where, like, oh, I, I watched. I was alone, and I watched it in the theater alone, kind of when it came out in, in October or whatever. And yeah, yeah, it was this big theater in Holland that, like, this like a dinner theater, and so they have like these wow. really big seats with little tables. So I had my little popcorn, and I was eating <laughs> it, and I was having a little drinky drink, and I was sitting, and and nobody else was in the theater, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. <laughs> Uh. <laughs> and so it was great. It was great. But I thought like, so I, I really, it was very provocative. And I think it sat with me as something that I didn't fully get, but I liked that about it. Um, and maybe that sounds like mm. you're saying it, but I just, I just, I respecting it enough to say that I just, I, I appreciated it as something that I was like, wow, there's a lot here and a lot right. of probably subcontext right. that I'm like, I don't understand. And, and moments that sure I know, probably hit people of different demographics probably more than they would hit me but i I, but it was very impactful and interesting so i really i really i really liked it that was good that's cool that's cool yeah go ahead asia i also have have a lot of affection uh for candy man in so i i live in a place called saint joseph which is right next to a place called benton harbor but i grew up in benton harbor Mm. and the way that the way that the movie talks about um location I thought to me was something that it pinged in a way that felt v- extremely true for me because I kind of grew up with one foot in t- two different worlds or, you know, s- like straddling these wildly different worlds in the location that I happen to, to have grown up in. Um, like 
shopping at the at the grocery stores that aren't where people from St. Joe go and get their groceries. Like people didn't want to bring mm, their kids mm. over to my house because she lives in Benton Harbor. Um, so the movie really dealt with relationship um, and location in a way that I, I wasn't as ex- I wasn't expecting to be as so completely moved by how they deal with that as I was. And it's, it's just, it's done in such a beautifully, beautifully um, articulate and, and wonderful. um, I don't know. I just, it, it, it's an emotional thing for me. I don't really know if I can, Mm. if I can actually articulate it myself. It's an emotional reaction that I had to something that I witnessed Mm. a lot of growing up. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I will say one of my, one of my, the things I was most impressed with about Candyman is the way that they took that mythology and built on it in a way that mm. I thought was a natural progression. That's really hard to do for a film that was like nearly 30 years old, but they did so in a very believable way. And on the short list of my top three favorite lines in any horror film of the last year was that trailer line, Candyman ain't a he, he's the whole damn hive. I mm. thought that was a great you know, conceptually, I thought it was great thematically. So, so like, I really, I liked that, that they took that approach. I felt like they earned their place in that regard. Um, I, Matt and Steve, uh, I want to give a couple of opportunities for, and, and Dave as well for like uh, any final thoughts on these best picture nominees before Jacob reveals it. And yeah. sign off. I mean, I had, I liked Candyman overall, but I think I had some problems giving it sort of a, a really glowing review because I had some problems with the story and how it wrapped up with the conclusion. I thought like maybe the last half hour or so kind of maybe ruined it for me. And mm. I, I mean, I love the, the cinematography and, and, and the thematic elements were, were great. Everything Asia just said really ring true for me too. Um, but just, I can't, I can't really talk about it without spoiling it, but uh, yeah. Oh yeah, sure. sure. The, the, the track of the main character and the way it ended up at the end that I thought it was either hard to interpret or I didn't interpret it well, or it was confusing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I gotcha. Yeah. I gotcha. How do you yeah. feel about the rest of the films? What were they again? Can you just run through them again? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. So the ones we, ones we haven't discussed in, in depth would be like malignant, a quiet place Two, and werewolves within. We've spent okay. some time on Titan and uh, Candyman. I think I probably voted for Malignant here. Um, I think mm. that overall was the one that I, I was uh, was entranced with the whole way through, and it seemed to get better as it went along. Um, and and I love the ending to it. Um, yeah, just the way everything was. There was not just even one turn or reveal. It was there was multiple along the way, and 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 there each of them. I was like, wow, wow, that either. And then there was one that was in the scare category that was both a reveal and a scare at the same time. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And so I was just sitting no there with my, with my mouth open there when, when we when we see uh, the little guy. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, so, totally yeah, James Wan is is far enough in his career. I guess so. Someone mentioned before he can do whatever he wants. He's getting given some some freedom there, Pretty and much. he had a lot of a lot of budget to work with. I guess here, there and are I two tones yeah. you can say that with. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sam Raimi, Spider Man Three, or James Wan. That's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I think the, the story true. writer or the or the main writer of, of the movie is his wife. Is that right? Was it for, for Malignant? I didn't remember that. Oh yeah. wow! I didn't remember that. That's interesting. Yeah, um, so he either co-wrote it or 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 his wife wrote it, so there's a close relationship there. Um, yeah, yeah, I got it. I, I got I really it. Really appreciate the writing of it. 
Cool. Very but cool. I didn't see Matt, it until, you... I didn't oh, sorry. See it, until sorry, it was just ahead. about to be covered on the, on the fear of God. So ah, um, okay. that led me to go see that. And I think a few others, um, that was the case too. So um, yeah, a lot of gotcha. times I don't see that the movie is from the current year until the, until awards season. So I think I'm appreciative <laughs> of, of the foggies here to get me to see more from recent. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Recent no, that releases. makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Matt, what you, what you thinking, what you got on these? Uh, yeah. So overall, I think uh, just looking at the list, I feel like it's, it's a good list. It's a solid list, but looking ahead, I'm not sure if we'll have time to discuss, but looking ahead to 2022, I feel like in a year we're going to be back here and there's going to be like some serious heavy hitters, you know, Edgar's, mm. uh, Ari Aster is coming back with another one, Jordan Peele. Like, I feel like next year's awards are going to be, you know, really stacked. Oh, so yeah. it'll be interesting to see. No, that's a really good point. There's some stuff on the horizon that I am eager to see. Very, very excited to see, both for the creative team involved and for just the premise of the film. Just looks and sounds interesting as well. I couldn't agree more with you. Um, Dave, do you got any final thoughts before we punt it over to Jacob? Well, <clears throat> I'll just point out again the glaring absence of Last Night in Soho. <laughs> um, True. And... True. and um, I like, I do, uh, um, I would have no problem seeing Candyman win. I'm really fond of that movie. I'm, I, and I do like Malignant. Um, it's a lot of fun. Um, yeah. but my vote would definitely go to A Quiet Place too. I, I, I think, uh, somebody else mentioned this that, um, you know, if, if it's the, the sequel, we never knew that we needed. I think mm -hmm. it, it really proves that it does the work to, um, figure out how to tell the right story at the right time in the right way that that really just expands the world of the film and um, yeah. brings it into new territory um, brings new and and fresh insights um, to the characters and I there's just so much to love about it um, so I think I would elevate that one in, nice. above the others nice very very nice um all right i think i think that's it these are your nominees for your best picture of the year jacob why don't you tell us what officially won the foggy for best picture of the year hey without further ado the first annual foggy for best picture goes to malignant Malignants! Malignants! Wow. Malignants. Oh my gosh. There's a tremendous amount of energy and propulsion behind Malignant. I remember I had said on the show that it, it launched my Halloween season. Like it was, you know, I had decorated my apartment for Halloween. It was the first major scary movie that I saw of Halloween 2021. And to be honest with you, probably for ways that the film itself in a bubble are not deserving of. That's why it stands out in my mind as well of just like, yeah, that's, that's a really memorable, fun, good time. It's a film I've revisited obviously to cover on the show and a film that I could definitely see myself wanting to revisit in the future, even now knowing all of its wild and bananas surprises. Um, so uh, thank you very, very much, Jacob. Congratulations to Malignant and the creative team behind that for winning the first annual foggy best picture of the year so to recap really quickly best scare was a tie between that moment from malignant and saint maud got a little bit of love uh for winning uh, for amanda's transformation there best production design went to the green knight 
Best Writing went to Mishnah Wolf for Werewolves Within. Uh, Best Supporting Performance was given to Zach Guilford for Midnight Mass. And then Best Lead Performance was Hamish Linkletter for also for Midnight Mass. We also gave a special Impressive Achievement in Writing Award to Midnight Mass, so that got a lot of love. Best Director went to Edgar Wright for Last Night in Soho, and the Best Picture of the Year went to Malignant. Uh, and I just I, I think that's an incredible assortment. I would encourage anybody who's listening to this, if you haven't checked out any of these films, uh, these are films that uh, that a, a little community, our community in the fog have given their merit to. They've said, hey, go see these. These are worth your time. So I would definitely encourage you to do so uh, with that. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, any other final thoughts? This was this was a whole lot of fun. I hope you guys had fun. I had so much fun. Yeah, this was, this was yeah. a lot of fun. Reed, this was did a you let us know how close the voting was for Best Picture, or did Mal- Malignant run away with it? No, Malignant did not run away with it, as a matter of fact. It was a very, very close race for, for picture uh, and director, although the interesting thing was that Quiet Place Part 2 came up like just a hair shy in both of those categories. Wow. It got chased out by Edgar Wright in Best Director, and it got chased out by Malignant in Best Picture. But there was a lot it. of... <laughs> I know, but there was a lot of love for Quiet Place 2 in both. In fact, since you asked, and if, and if y'all have you know two more minutes here with me, um, most of the races were very close between two participants. I mean, we had one straight up tie in Best Scare, but all of them were very close uh, with the exception of two. There were two, and obviously I'm not going to share actual numbers, but there were two landslides. Are y'all interested to hear who the landslides were to where like, yes. hey, there wasn't a lot of competition? Yes. Okay. For production design, Green Knight won a landslide. I mean, a landslide. Most people who voted for that voted for Green Knight. That was a, that was a near landslide in that one. The other one, surprising me, uh, winning more than 60% of the vote was Hamish Linkletter in mm-hmm. um, I that lead performance. That yeah, that was, a, that was a pretty strong landslide in that one. All of the others, there was a close enough runner-up that if we had left voting open for another week, who knows what would have happened. Maybe something else would have taken it if we'd left it up because it was really neck and neck. Uh, and I don't mind giving a little bit of love to, to some of the other runner-ups. So, you know, Quiet Place 2 was the runner-up for both director and uh, picture. Uh, it, it very, very came close to getting shut out there. For writing, uh, it was almost St. Maud. Like, Werewolves Within won it mm. and won it squarely, but St. Maud got a lot of love in uh, the writing category. They really, uh, they really love that one. And then in supporting performance, the other hotly contested uh, was actually Anya Taylor-Joy. So it was, it was kind of going neck and neck between Zach Guilford and Anya Taylor-Joy and Guilford got it like kind of basically sometimes just comes down to when we shut down voting be like, okay, yeah. he's, he's ahead by this percentage and we're closing it down. So it's done. He I heard, uh, I heard he really blew up at the end there. Reed. <laughs> then I blew up. What you- <laughs> <laughs> But wow, wow, he did. It was it was a kind of an explosive thing, you know. He's yeah, I, yeah, as yeah. soon as I shut the voting down, I was like, boy, this guy's on fire, you know. It like it was fire, really. Yeah. <laughs> Who was it? I was having the Saint Maud combustion jokes with in the Facebook group. Was that that was you? I thought it was, it was you. Okay. <laughs> we just kept going for a long time. <laughs> it was so funny. It was fun to watch. Um, 
Folks, I cannot thank you enough for taking some time out of your day to do this. Um, so, so this was really fun. I hope you all had a good time. I certainly had a good time. We did really very much miss uh, Nathan and his uh, jovial, boisterous laugh. But maybe on the second annual Foggy Award, he will uh, he will join us for that. So, uh, in the meantime, uh, this I don't know exactly the day when I'm going to try to do it kind of quickly. So, hopefully, in the next day or so. But this is going to come out to the to the feed to everybody. So, uh, so thank you so much. Uh, and we hope the listeners have enjoyed sort of hearing us debate and dance around with these uh, awards. And thank you all so much, all of you listeners who voted in uh, and chose these films for your uh, both for us to consider them as nominees and uh, for selecting the winners. So I guess the last thing that I want to say before my official sign off is be on the lookout throughout 22 for categories like these and maybe others that as you watch films, you know, drop us a little line and say like, hey, you know, this this film really should get some consideration because then this, you know, about this same time next year, we'll be taking four year considerations for the second annual Foggy Awards because we're going to we're, we're formally going to inaugurate this. So um, thank you all so much again for your participation. As I say on every single episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And in that spirit, we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing. We'll see you next week, everybody, for our start of the Nick Cage series. Willie's Wonderland's episode drops on Tuesday. So uh, if I happen to get this out before then, then do that. If it if it's already out, then go check it out because it's fun. <laughs> we have a good time with it. All right. We'll see all of the listeners next week.